Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Wednesday, October the 20th, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and continue to study and pray the Psalms. And today is Psalm 141. As we look at Psalm 141, we have heard this. Uh, David prayed this, and we sing it in evening prayer in Lutheran uh, Lutheran service book. And what a joy it is! Let my prayer rise before you as incense, a reminder that our prayers go up to the Lord. It is sweet, and it is uh, sweet smelling because our Lord is one who hears it on account of Christ. And today, David asked the Lord to preserve him from temptations and from the attacks of the ungodly. And this is something that. Sounds like a prayer I should be praying, something that I need in my life. Oh, Lord, preserve me. So let's pray like the saints of old, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends from Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's word, we have the joy of having back with us Pastor Sean Cum of Christ the King Lutheran Church in Cody, Wyoming. Pastor Cum, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you so very much for having me back. So, Pastor, tell us what's going on. We last had you on the, the end of summer. Now it's middle of October. So what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Christ the King? Well, we are transitioning to colder weather. Fall um, is well upon us. Leaves have fallen and has a little bit of snow, um, but there's still hope to have some fall yet. And um, it's just busy and crazy around our house. So everybody's doing their vocation of of, uh, paraprofessional junior in high school and pastor and guard dog. So <laughs> there you go. And fulfilling their vocation well. Vocational holiness, we'll call it. We'll call it that. Speaking, sure, yeah, speaking yeah. of that, I think you told me that last week your son passed his driver's test. How'd that go? This this morning. Oh, this morning. Yeah, I'm this sorry. This yeah, morning. yeah. Okay, and, it's today. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> and um he's excited. I'm not sure his parents are so much. <laughs> you know, so many parents go through that. And then you just pray more. I mean, you are praying while they're learning to drive. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm into that. Praying for patience, praying for safety, praying for an extra break at the bottom, you know. <laughs> and, and now it's just another part of letting that little bird fly out of the nest. Well, thanks be to God for that. My, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Kaisa is her name, is taking her test on November 1st. So we're working vigorously. It was funny because she was doing a, a parallel parking, and I was giving her some ideas, and she goes eventually, you know mm-hmm. what, I'm just going to I'm just gonna do it the way they taught me. And then all of a sudden she did it great. I'm like, oh, boy, I probably should start listening to her teacher on how to do this because yeah. that sounds better than what I told you. <laughs> so keep us in your prayers as well as my daughter takes the test on November 1st. So there it is. Um, so, Pastor, today as we are uh, – looking at Psalm 141, and we're praying. Can you begin our time in prayer? Yes. With King David, O Lord, we say, O Lord, we call upon you, hasten to us, and give ear to our voice when we pray to you. Heavenly Father, you have promised that your spirit 
urges us to pray, even when we cannot form the words, get them out, that the Holy Spirit needs and knows what we need to say, so that it is carried to your ear by our Savior, your Son, Jesus, who has opened that way for us to speak to you as dear children. We look to you for all your blessings and for the answers to our prayers and the many things that occur in our lives. Under your safety, we continue in this day, and in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions about the Psalms, specifically Psalm 141, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. As, as we've talked about, and as you prayed here, Pastor, prayer is one of those realities that we need to do better at it. And the Psalms, I would say, give us that, not, not necessarily the instruction manual, but gives us the words when we are not able to have the words by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I ask you this, Pastor, as a seasoned pastor, as a Christian, why are the Psalms important for us, that we pray them, proclaim them, sing them? Why are they so important for the Christian in today's world? That is a very, very good question. And there are, I think, words just fail us, as they are right at this moment in my mouth. Um, (laughs) Words fail us. And there are things that we know we need to pray, and we don't know how to put the sentences together. Or there are things that we have forgotten to pray for. They Maybe they just aren't at the top of our prayer list all the time, or they pop up at the beginning or the end or the middle of the day. And the Psalms remind us time and time again that um, there's so much more to pray for. In fact, I really like... Bonhoeffer's quote um, in his little book on the Psalms, mm-hmm. where he said he, he he encourages people to pray the Psalms in order. Let's just start with Psalm one. He said, "Don't go looking for a Psalm that fits your feelings." Um, he said that may, first of all, probably take too long sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but he said, "Pray the Psalms in order, and if you pray a Psalm that doesn't fit your mood for that day, pray it for someone who you know needs that prayer." Pray for them, and it gets you out of yourself. I thought, wow, you know, we we become so self-centered even in our prayer life. And so, well, I need to pray for this, and I'm going to look for a psalm. And that's not that's not a sin if we do. That's that's a very godly thing to do. But I really liked his approach that we pray if we bump into the psalm, it's like, no, this doesn't fit my mood today. But I know this person. I need to pray this psalm for them. I will offer this prayer for them. What a wonderful thing to do. And that's a reminder that's the book called Psalms, the Prayer Book of the Bible by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It is incredibly cheap online. I just looked it up right now as you said that because I think I'm going to order it as you said that because that is a wonderful reality. And this is, this is it's, to me, I compare that to when I, when I get with my kids. I'm like, hey, let's go find something to watch on Hulu or on TV. Mm. And you sit down, and you're ready to go, and it takes forever to find something that everyone mm-hmm. will agree upon. And we treat the <laughs> Psalms that way, like, oh, i got to find the right one for my emotions. And how wonderful it is just to be reminded, by the way, this is all God's Word, and the Holy Spirit's at work in it. And it shows us Jesus, not only for us, but for others. I mean, what a great way to think about that. Any other encouragement you have on why the Psalms are important? They are, as I've also heard, and it is it's truly correct that the Lord's Prayer summarizes all of the Psalms mm-hmm. into the shortest of the prayers. And so if you go backwards, then you have the Lord's Prayer, you can see the entire expansion of every petition of the Lord's Prayer in 
every psalm. Daily bread, protection, resisting temptation. So many of them show up in Psalm 141, actually. Mm, absolutely. Uh, petitions of the Lord's Prayer. They are um, right here in Psalm 141. So let's get to it then. I, I love how you uh, laid out the foundation for us now. How we've been doing this when we do the Psalms is that we see this as a time of prayer, not only study, but also prayer. So what we start with is to pray Psalm 141. And reminder you to you, our listeners, here is your opportunity to pray. Um, sometimes we can kind of get in the weeds of studying God's word, but here's your opportunity to pray. So, Pastor, I'm going to go through, I'm going to read Psalm 141, and we know that we're praying. At the very end, I will do the Gloria Patri. And after we're done with that prayer, I want to hear your first thoughts of the overview of Psalm 141. So let's begin our time in prayer of Psalm 141, a psalm of David. O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to the voice of when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds, in company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. When their judges are thrown over the cliff, then they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant. As when one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. But my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me, and for the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. So, Pastor, as we look at Psalm 141 as a whole, how would you uh, begin with an introduction to this blessed psalm? Certainly. The inscription to Psalm 141 tells us that it is a psalm of David. And um, as you mentioned, Brady, that um, about how this was fulfilled in Jesus, each verse throughout my 30 pages of notes on this, um, <laughs> each, each verse I, I ask that question, how is this fulfilled by Jesus? Each verse. We, in putting this in perspective, David lives roughly a thousand BC, and so a thousand years pass before we um, get our Lord Jesus born in David's city, Bethlehem. And that thousand years, so much, uh, you know, I mean, all of Psalm 141 was just as true throughout those ten um, centuries as it is now, two thousand years after the birth of Jesus, and 3,000 years after King David. It's just it's timely in every way. And so as we look at this, um, I'm, I'm, I want to think about, and I wanted to get your thoughts before we even get to the, to the words, we will sing this in what's called the evening prayer in the Lutheran Study Bible. 
I, excuse me, Lutheran service book. I, I'm all excited about the study Bible I have. Anyways, a service book <laughs> is that we'll pray this at evening, and we will mm-hmm. just say that, let my prayer rise before you as incense. And it's something that really sticks in my mind quite a bit about the Psalms being sung. And that's not emphasized here as it is in others where they'll talk about the choir master and others. But sure. what, are your, what are your thoughts on singing the Psalms? It's something that I guess sometimes you do it a lot, sometimes you don't. Any thoughts on that? Well, certainly, singing the psalms, whenever we put words with music, is so much easier to memorize. Yeah, yeah. And um, when I lived in Laramie, 30 miles south, was a Benedictine abbey. And I would go down there and use the retreat space and work. And I would pop in for a couple of their prayer services during the day. And it finally made sense to me how I, I'm, I'm pretty much convinced that Luther had all 150 psalms memorized. Because if you sing them day after day, week after week, year after year, you're going to remember them. And chanting them, singing them is a wonderful, wonderful way of not only memorizing, learning the Psalms, but also we're able to focus on the words perhaps a little bit more. We're not as easily distracted when we sing. Like, excuse me, but I'm singing. Um, (laughs) Right, right. Whereas if you're singing, people might not well, they might also, but they might not interrupt you as often. Um, but when you're not singing, um, they're like, oh, well, he's not doing anything important. Let's just interrupt him. Well, not when you're singing the song or anything for that matter. But um, it, it just enhances, I think, it enhances the song so very, very much. To help us focus, I, I really like that because, you know, there have been times I'm in my office and I'm praying, and and blessed saints of our of our of our congregation and others, you know, they'll come in and say, "Are you busy?" And and at that point, you know, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. It depends on the situation, of course. But if I go into the sanctuary and I'm singing, like I'll sing a hymn just by myself because I love mm-hmm. to sing. And and let's say I haven't done it a ton lately, but you know, you're chanting a psalm or something like that. I have yet to have someone come in and, inter- and interrupt me. Because they're like, oh, clearly yes. he's busy. He's making a lot of noise. <laughs> so. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So to you, our listeners, even if you're not a good singer, you don't want your kids disturbing you, you don't want others, bring out the hymnal, start chanting some of those psalms, and you will not only be able to focus, but no one will come knocking on the door, I'm guessing. So there's another opportunity <laughs> that we have. Anyways. Well, Pastor, as we look at this, I really like how you started us off by thinking, okay, not only how is this how is the Lord's prayer fulfilled in this, but also how do we see Jesus? So I think I'm ready to go a few verses at a time. And you ready, Pastor? Go for it. All right. So once again, Psalm 141, a Psalm of David. We'll go through the first two verses. O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So, Pastor, I I saw there was one um, commentary that broke this down into just a few sections, and this one is said that this is highlighted by saying, O Lord, listen to me. So what is is David asking here? Well, he's asking asking the Lord to open up his ears. And, And by doing so, and by... By what follows, David is uh, impressing upon God to remember his promises to his people. 
um, the sainted Norman Nagel in um, talking about when Martin Luther, when Philip Melanchthon was very, very sick and it appeared that he might die. Martin Luther, who prayed out loud, by the way, because mm-hmm. um, people heard him behind his closed door, um, begged God. He said, you cannot let this man die. You cannot. And the way Nagel put it is, uh, Luther rubbed the promises of God in his ears. And that's what we do with the Psalms. We rub the promises of God in his ears. And that's what David does. Oh, Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Pay attention. Hurry. Listen to my voice when I call to you. You promised you would hear me. And, well, here I am. Listen up, God. And so when other thoughts on... Verse 2, verse 2 really, um, so he's basically like, listen up, God, you have to listen to me. And we just say rubbing the promises of God in his ear. How, how do you say that? Yes, yes, just rubbing. like that, rubbing his, yeah. Wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to use Rubbing the promises that. of God in his ear. Rubbing the promises of God in the so ear. So in verse 2, mm-hmm. which, you know, for us in, in Lutheran service book, in evening prayer, taking us all the way back to 1982 when Lutheran worship came out. You know, we've been, we've been praying this um, in musical form for gosh, decades now. Mm-hmm. And it's just very, very much impressed upon our um, memories. And the incense part, well, we Lutherans, maybe we do, maybe we don't. Probably most of us don't or not much. Um, but when David says, let my prayer be counted as incense, mm. um, he's saying, my prayers are going up to you, Lord. My words, I've asked you to listen to me. My words are going up to you. And he says, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Incense and the evening sacrifice, he's saying, Lord, my prayers are going up to you. Um, listen and pay attention. And I am spending time to talk to you, God. And um, a dear child talking to his dear Heavenly Father. And um, please pay attention to what's going to follow after that. And this is interesting on, on a number of levels. Is first of all, is that the, the power of incense, and I'm not, I'm not doing a promotion of saying you have to do incense, but I had one beloved pastor friend tell me, he works in a, a nursing home, and one of the powers that mm-hmm. he's found with incense in his context is that a lot of people are not able to see very well. They're not very able to hear mm. very well, but they still have that sense of smell. And so for uh-huh. them, he had, has heard, and he, he does it regularly in his church, that his congregation has said, uh, we do appreciate it. Of course, you know, any traditional Lutheran is going to be a little scared when their incense is going on. However, that number of people have said, what I, what I appreciate it for my dad or I appreciate it by themselves or whoever might be, is that when I know that smell, I know it's time of prayer. I mm. know it's time of worship because it's very distinct. Now, once again, I'm not trying to promote anything or saying that you, if you don't do it, you're wrong or something, but that is something that really hits me as I sing that and pray that now, is that this prayer goes up as incense, and it's almost like a call, a calling for all of us. Listen up, Lord, and also for us, listen up, it's time to pray. So just an interesting insight to there. And any, any thoughts on that? That is, I, I really like that. I really, really like that, that it reminds people that prayer, prayers are being prayed at that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, 
that that is wonderful. That liberal uh, liberal scholars. It's hard to put those two words together when I say liberal scholars. Um, have thrown a flag on the field, saying, "Well, this this can't be from David. David wasn't a priest. David wouldn't have um, been in the holy of holies. David wouldn't have this." And yet, it, wherever this is taking place, and there's a little bit of a head scratcher on this in terms of where the tabernacle is and does it still exist and where the Ark of the Covenant is at this point. Mm -hmm. But it's not as if David didn't know what was going on and your connection about smelling the incense going up, whether he's smelling that in the tabernacle or the Ark of the Covenant and um, it ends up in someone's house at some point, he's going to know that that's happening. He doesn't have to be the priest to know that incense is going going up, and um, that is what you what you just said makes so much sense. Then mm -hmm. he would have smelled the incense like everybody else. Evening right. sacrifices being committed, um, and prayers are going up. It's time to pray. And so, Pastor, as we look at these first two verses, um, yeah, for, context is everything. You know, people would have known what they're talking about. Whether they were in that Holy of Holies or not, there would there have been a smell that would have wafted way beyond that. I guarantee it. Because you, if you've ever been around incense, you can smell it for quite a distance for quite a while. Um, mm -hmm. But So as we look at these first two verses, um, you brought this up, is that uh, the Lord's Prayer is fulfilled in this, and you can see Jesus in each one of these verses. So give me an example. What do you see um, fulfilled in the Lord's Prayer, and how do we see Jesus in these first two verses? Sure, yes. Well, certainly, how many times do we see um, our Lord Jesus praying, both with others and by himself? Certainly, verse 1, um, it takes me to the Garden of Gethsemane. I call upon you, hasten to me. Um, and what we see also on the cross, and we talk about the cross being an altar, the altar of Jesus is sacrificed upon the cross. His words, his prayers are going up for those for those who would be considered his enemies. He's praying that they be forgiven. Um, he's he's praying for all the suffering to be finished, and his prayers do go up. They do go up. Um, there isn't any instance that um, on Golgotha at Golgotha, but. And then if that takes us to the temple and the curtain, which was between all the people and the altar of incense and the Holy of Holies, um, it's ripped, torn in half. And your prayers, my prayers, they all go to our Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus, and there's no more separation. And our prayers join, he prays. Well, he teaches us. What do the disciples say? Or teach us how to pray. And there we go. Our Lord Jesus teaches us how to pray and have our prayers counted as incense. As how you said, it's, it's a, um, they are a sacrifice, but not for the sake of receiving forgiveness of sins, but because the forgiveness of sins have been already done with the final sacrifice that we give this sacrifice of prayer back to him. And he hears it um, perfectly. And and it, it brings me back to the Lord's Prayer with just the introduction, you know, that God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children, so that all boldness and confidence we may ask him as dear children ask their dear father. I think right away, 
I see that in the first verse, that as we can go to our parents, um, we pray that at least, we can go to them and say, okay, it's time to talk. And I know for me, I pray for this, that I'll stop everything I'm doing. It's okay, what do you got? And that's what God invites us to do. Um, okay, it's time to talk. And he's there with a listening ear. Any other thoughts in those first two verses, Pastor? Also, the um, the imagery and experience of incense and prayers takes us very much to Revelation chapter 5, mm-hmm. where it is described for us, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. He's holding a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And at the very end of God's Word in the book of Revelation, we see that the prayers of God's people are very much tied visually, sensory, um, smelling. Um, we see people can see the prayers of God's people going up, um, even in heaven. Wonderfully so. That is a great connection. I don't think that I've ever seen that connection in Revelation until now. Thank you for that, because that definitely brings us not only to our current situation, but also a glimpse of what it will be like in heaven. So when we pray, <laughs> it, it points us straight to heaven when we'll be right direct access with God right there, right in front of us. Hmm. You don't stuff. like incense, just wait till you get to heaven, <laughs> exactly. right? You don't like singing, just wait till you get to heaven. <laughs> I love it. You don't like feast. Just wait till you get to heaven. Yeah, it's all going to be there. So, Pastor, right now, we better take our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 141 with Pastor Sean Com, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are praying Psalm 141 with Pastor Sean Cum of Christ the King Lutheran Church in Cody, Wyoming. Now, Pastor, we've gotten through the first two verses, and I love the, the focus. And this is good for all of us when we are actually able to slow down and look at the Psalms. It's asked the question, how is this connected to the Lord's Prayer, and how does it show us Jesus. So I encourage you, our listeners, to continually do that when you are praying the Psalms. Maybe you do in church, maybe in your own daily devotions, uh, to ask those questions when we're actually able to slow down. And and so that's what we're going to do today. So, Pastor, we got the first two verses down. Any last thoughts before we move on to the next few? I always have lots of last thoughts, but we better move on. <laughs> All right, so let's do verses 3 and 4. 3 and 4. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds, in company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies. 
So there's there's a lot there. I do want to start in verse three, and I want to hear your thoughts. He speaks right away of guard my mouth. You know, so he's trying to silence us, or what's happening? The door of my lips. I guess that was a great visual for me. The door of my lips. Verse three on its own definitely lays out the groundwork for something very important. And what is he trying to tell us, or was he praying to the Lord? The, the point of a commentator I was reading was really quite fascinating. He he wants the Lord to silence him of saying anything evil so that he doesn't do any evil deeds. And um, an early church father put it this way, the Creator gave two walls to the tongue, one of teeth and the other of lips, to check its irrational impulses. Nevertheless, inspired author begs to enjoy other guards as well, afraid lest he utter something improper while lamenting his lot. Um, and then that he not, once he has his mouth shut, then his actions, he can take care of his actions. And, you know, how often does that happen to all of us? And, of course, James addresses that whole um, issue, that the tongue is the most difficult thing I'm going to extend it on the face of the earth <laughs> to tame um, because of what comes out of our mouths. And, and, and this is interesting to, to be able to think through this is to keep watch over the door of my lips. So this is a prayer I don't think I have very often is, Lord, keep me from talking so much or saying the wrong thing because we all know that, we can, that this can happen so quickly. Um, when are times that we should be praying this? What are your thoughts? Uh, well, certainly when we are challenged breaking the second and the eighth commandment. It, in one sense, this verse is, we pray it as a speed bump to just slow us down so that we don't say anything or that we check ourselves, that we only say what is God-pleasing or helpful encouraging, even in terms of the law, that we speak the law to someone so very carefully, um, pointedly, yes, bluntly, yes, but that we do it in a way that doesn't, um, in one sense, hurt or harm our neighbor in in a way that is irreparable. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, which I don't understand where that came from. But obviously, it's just not true. Words, it, my brother could have hit me in the arm, and I probably don't remember that. But it's words that we have a hard time forgetting. Those are just feared. And so, you know, David is saying, shut my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> shut the door. Yeah, keep out the devil. Shut it's the kind door. Of the... <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And and I, I do think this is a, an important distinction, too, when you look at the Ten Commandments, is that the Eighth Commandment and the Second Commandment are one of those where everybody kind of stops in their tracks. They might not think they covet, which I don't know how you could think that. Maybe they don't understand the word. But people understand <laughs> the words that they will say that are not at least helpful, how our words have hurt people, and how other people's words have hurt us. And and here he lays it out that have my words been glorifying to the Lord, which is another level that can really bring that brings us to me brings me to my knees. It makes me realize that I need I need to do better. Lord have mercy on me. And the last thoughts? And it, it is really much summarized in the Lord's prayer with the words, Hallowed be thy name. Mm-hmm. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. 
Lord, you're holy. Your name is holy. Please make sure that what comes out of my mouth is holy too. And if it's not, help me zip it shut. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, so then we get to verse 4. And then here, it once again, we can go to Ten Commandments and lead us not into temptation type of language that he's using here. Um, because David clearly knew that he could fall into temptation. That was my impression. Now, I want to I wanted to bring this up, is that we don't really know when this happened, this psalm particularly, but we do, commentaries kind of talk about it. There could have been during a time where he's trying to escape Absalom, you know, and the way that he was chasing him or he was running away. And that's important because when we're in um, despair, is when we start falling into other temptations. Like, for example, if somebody is low on money, they're tempted to do things that they would not normally do because they, you know, they're they so fearful of running out of money, so they'll do a lot of immoral things. That's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, that anxiety that David's feeling, whatever the situation might have been, and he's praying, Lord, I know I'm tempted. I know I might fall into this. Help me not to say the wrong things and also not to fall in temptation. What are your thoughts in verse 4? I, too, had read about um, the connection with Absalom. That takes us back to Psalm 63, the morning psalm, um, which is specifically, um, Absalom is specifically referenced there in um, the introduction, introductory um, headlines. And then the connection has been made to Psalm 141, which is obviously the evening psalm. And, and if that is the case, with verse 3, David as king certainly wants to speak as king and speak wisely, but also David as father has to speak carefully and wisely. And so not only does he want to make sure that the words that he speaks are so very carefully chosen, but then in verse 4, that the deeds that he needs to act out, however he responds to this um, I'm going to say traitor, this, this person who wants to overthrow his kingship, his kingdom, who happens to be his son, that his actions be um, godly and in line with God's word, the Ten Commandments, and, and all of it. He is in a tough spot. If this is about Absalom, oh my goodness. Or in any situation, it doesn't have to just be Absalom, but any situation. Um, wow. That, that's tricky. And, and there, it, it really captures at the end, let me not eat of their delicacies. And I thought that captured really well the temptations of, um, because temptations are sometimes look and taste really good. Like, wow, that looks, that looks a lot better than what I'm having. You know, that's like ice cream when your parents give you broccoli or something. And, <laughs> and it really captures the how quickly we can be tempted to do things that are not according to as well. Um, t tell, tell us more your thoughts on that. Just we need to pray this because how quick we can fall. Well, certainly the, the opposite of this is quite fascinating, a, a Psalm of David, where he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And there he's eating in the presence of his enemies. In, in one sense, Psalm 141 is the flip side of that because he's being attacked. Um, this is not victory at this moment for King David. And um, he, he is in a tough spot. The, um, 
hanging out with men who work iniquity and eating their delicacies. Um, C.S. Lewis has this fascinating quote that, um, from the screw tape letters. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a subtle play of looks and tones and laughs by which a mortal can imply that he is of the same party as those to whom he is speaking. He will assume at first only by his manner, but presently by his words, all sorts of cynical and skeptical attitudes, which are not really his, but they may become his. All mortals tend to turn into the thing they are pretending to be. And that fits this so very well, because um, David is saying, you know, I, I don't want to eat with these people. I don't want to eat their delicacies. I don't want to sit at their table because I may very well end up being like them. Mm. It's not just even a matter of leading me not into temptation, but he doesn't want to become a tempter either. If he, lands, if he hangs out with people who are doing evil, he, he says, I don't want to do the evil either. I, I, I just don't. And this reminds me also, as you brought up C.S. Lewis, in the Chronicles of Narnia, where you have Edmund, who's tempted by the ah, white yes. witch with Turkish <laughs> delight. And, and that's yes. something I've never had Turkish delight. It must have been very good for Edmund. But the, the deal was, I'll give you some Turkish delight. He goes, can I have it all the time? Yes, you can have it all the time. And she just gave all these you know, temptations and fell into it. And it's just a great rendition, as you said, of the screw tape letters of how evil the devil will tempt us in our weakness. And it's like a delicacy, just like Turkish delight. So, I don't know, we could probably go yeah. C.S. Lewis all day if we wanted, but any other... Yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> any other thoughts? Although on... I have had Turkish delights, and I can't say that I was overly impressed. <laughs> but um, other people may be, but I was like, really? That's the, what's the big deal? That's but the... for Edmund, it was a big deal. <laughs> and for some Norwegians back in the day, somehow Ludafisk was their Turkish delight. I don't know how that happened. Anyways, we'll keep, move, we'll keep moving on. Verses 5 through 7, actually. We'll keep moving forward with this prayer. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. When their judges are thrown over the cliff, when they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant. As when one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. So here I saw another example where it talks about the contrast of the righteous and the wicked. And so right away in verse 5, he asks the righteous to do something. And what does he ask him? He asks for discipline. Um, In one sense, if I can be so bold, let a righteous man strike me. Sometimes we say this just whip me off alongside the head with a two by four. Um, <laughs> but is, 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 I'm not sure that's actually there in the Hebrew, but um, it, well, it is in my reading of the Hebrew, right? There you go, yeah. So, you know, what David is asking for, though, is that if he is doing anything evil, speaking any evil, may that righteous man correct me. Correct. And we see that in the Proverbs all the time. Um, and he says, it's a kindness. Why? Because it's, it's bringing him back from the edge of the cliff of sin, temptation, ultimately damnation. He says, it's a kindness. Discipline me. Um, he says, and it's oil for my head, mm. which also, by the way, is sweet smelling. 
in the ancient world, not only incense, but the sweet-smelling oil. And of course, David had that already poured on his head when Samuel anointed him to be king. And so, yeah, so he definitely knows the reality of that. And we see that throughout the scriptures, too. You know, the um, obviously Psalm 23 is uh, the understanding the oil going down the beard of Aaron that we'll see in Psalm 133 as well. Um, so it definitely it says, okay, rebuke me. Um, not in your anger, we hear other parts, but to rebuke him because it's it's good for me. This is what I need. This is what unites me to keep me with the brotherhood. Why is it hard for us? to say to somebody else, rebuke me. <laughs> um, remind me that I need to be uh, um, going the narrow way. Be my John the Baptist, if you will. Why is that hard for us? Well, certainly it's multifaceted. One of the reasons might be because we're actually enjoying the, the sin that we're participating in, and we don't want to be rebuked. Right. And so we just don't want anyone to tell us that what we're doing is wrong. Um Secondly, certainly is the being made humble and having to admit that we were wrong or we had a wrong idea or we sinned in some way and someone gently points it out to us or maybe not so gently mm-hmm. sometimes and having to not only admit it to them, but also have to uh, having to repent before God. Um People don't seem to like that very much. I, you know, my my little false gods in my heart don't. Right. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing is it's the same thing is we as pastors we might have a moment where we're like, well, people don't like it when you bring those things up. Well, I don't like it myself. You know, I don't like it when <laughs> the reality is brought to the forefront of 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 me thinking more highly of, about myself than I ought. But at the same time, I do want to be reminded about my failures because who wants people to have be bitter with you because of something you didn't know you did? Or like you said, there are times where I get happy with those idols and therefore they need to be broken so my eyes are on the Lord. Um, loving my wife, loving my kids, loving my neighbor, serving faithfully as a pastor, as a Christian in general. Um, it's something that I want, but I just don't necessarily want it now. It's probably how I would <laughs> want, want it to be said. Anyways, Pastor, anything else in verse 5? Also, verse 5 is interesting in that it, it's kind of a bookend. We have that word, yet. Mm-hmm. Um, David asked for a righteous man to correct him. Um, and ultimately, if you go back to verse 4 then, not to do evil. And then he says, though, yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds, which, by the way, David shows from his prayer that he is against evil deeds. He is against evil inside of himself. He is against speaking evil. And he is going to pray against those who are committing evil. Now, certainly, all of us, we want hard turns. We want sinners to repent and be brought to Jesus. But also, David says, I'm going to pray against their evil deeds. Um, which, by the way, shows that he doesn't want to do the evil deeds. If you're, you're saying, um, I'm praying against evil, your heart might be actually on the right side of things at that moment, even though you and I both know, as do all the listeners, that we struggle daily, daily. Um, we may pray against evil deeds, but we also are doing evil deeds. 
think Paul had something to say about that. Yeah, for we daily sin much is probably the 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 the, the verse the thought that comes to my mind for sure. And in verse five, the good that I would do, I do not do, and the evil that yeah. I would not do, that's what I keep on doing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Oh, that's good. In verse six. It's an interesting move forward as we look at that. So we see the first part. This is what the righteous do. When their judges are thrown over the cliff, then they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant. Verse 6 is a hard one for me to completely understand. So what do you have for us on that verse? Well, if, if uh, we missed this on verse 5 in terms of being fulfilled by Jesus. So I'm going to just pick that up with verse 6 here. We certainly see the, the judging part in the Apostles' Creed. Um, from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. There will be judgment. And even if they're evil judges, when their judges are thrown over the cliff, then they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant. And it, it's an interesting tension, again, that David is saying is, my words, even if it's gospel, if I'm speaking gospel, my words are still pleasant, even though they don't want to hear it. And if I can make a comparison to Jesus' descent into hell, Jesus descends into hell victorious, and he speaks wonderful. I, I, I'm, I'm victorious. I won. I won. That's pleasant. Those are wonderful words for you and me to hear. Not wonderful words for the occupants of hell to hear, but it doesn't mean that they're still not pleasant. And... Um, there's an interesting tension going on there when their judges are thrown over in judgment over the cliff. We see this, by the way, also in, in being fulfilled by Jesus when he's in Nazareth and actually preaches um, a, a rather short sermon um, that then gets kind of violent. And uh, the residents of Nazareth want to throw him over the cliff. They want to throw the judge over the cliff. Mm. And he walks mm -hmm. safely through them. Um, which takes us to verse 10, but we're not quite there yet. Um, the other part to this um, is, is just that, oh, in terms of judgment, um, we read about such a thing in Second Chronicles 25, where we're told the men of Judah captured 10,000 um, enemies um, alive and took them to the top of a rock and threw them down from the top of the rock, and they were all dashed to pieces. And, of course, Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, too. I'm sure that would have made meant something to the Judahites um, through the centuries, too. Hey, we threw 10,000 guys over a cliff. Well, okay. Mm. Um, there we go. <laughs> it definitely is a visual, because you, you think about how David uses these prayers, it definitely captures, so you have the smell that you can have in the incense, you have this, um, this idea of someone striking you with a two-by-four, and here you have this throwing over the cliff. I mean, you get thrown over a cliff, there is no turning back. It's over. Um, and and it, like you said, it really connects to other parts in history, in Scripture, to know the seriousness of his prayer that he thought through this. And it's something that, that when we're praying to the Lord, it is serious, but the Lord graciously hears us. So I, I love the imagery that he uses. Uh, and that goes into verse 7. Anything else in verses 5 or 6? In, in terms of the... Um difficulty of verse 6, there is an alternate translation um, through the centuries mm. that um, when they fall into the hands of the rock, they're judged. Mm. And the rock there is used as an official name, which then 
bubbles up throughout the songs too. The Lord is my rock. Um, oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Almost the Old Testament imagery of being dashed against or stumbling against um, the cornerstone against the judge too. Um, other people are going to have to sort that out and make the case one way or the other. Um, but that one could look at that not just crashing on the rocks um, below over the cliff, but that they, the sinners, the evildoers, are shattered against the rock, Jesus, the judge. That's interesting. I'm thinking of rock, for what it's worth. rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself yeah. be, you know, kind of uh, a connection as well. So, okay, so let's go to verse 7. As when one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. So there's another, I mean, we're thinking of uh, the Valley of Dry Bones, where you just, if you were to walk across these, there's a crunching sound that you would have, and the, the, the scattering of them at the mouth of Sheol. This is another one that's kind of difficult to understand. What did you find on this? The, the image that, as I puzzled over this, I grew up on a farm um, in western Iowa, and people have driven through the Midwest where there's farm land, and especially if it's no-till farming, where everything isn't just dissed up into dust, but no-till farming where you actually see the corn stalks picking up cattywampus here and there. You see these, these um, almost look like sticks, whatever, in the, in the farm field. Um, I thought that, because it's fall time and that's what's going on anyway, Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what this looks like for those of us who haven't seen the Valley of Dry Bones or seen bones scattered at the mouth of Sheol. Um, this is perhaps what uh, tibia and ulnas look like um, when they're <laughs> scattered and they're sticking up out of farmland um, this way and that way. Um, a very vivid picture for maybe people in Minnesota where you are or people in the Midwest who are doing that right now, plowing and disking mm-hmm. and, and um, who knows. And so when, when it says Sheol, how would you, how would you yeah. see that there is some confusion on that part? Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, Sheol makes some people scratch their heads and it's, it's kind of a difficult word. The best is that it is the place of, of the dead. We all die. And, and you know, it's, it's going back to Paul and Romans, the wages of sin is death all fall short of the glory of God, and we all die And Sheol. It depends also on places where it pops up in the Old Testament. Um, is it more leaning onto the side of hell? Is it um, just a general, everybody's dead, um, and it isn't the judgment of the sheep and the goats who have died, or you know, how, how do we sort all of that out? Um, that's about as as well as I'm going to do right at the moment for that. Right now, it's obvious but, that Sheol is not a good place to be. Um, and right, 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 right. If right. it is death, then, then Lord, have mercy upon us. If it is hell, Lord, keep us from there. And it doesn't really describe it well. I figured since you had 30-some pages of notes that you really dug into that one. But uh, 
I didn't either. So it's it's a difficult one well, to <laughs> dig into. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. far you want to dig, but <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, let's keep moving forward. We have about five minutes left in our time, and I want to get through these last right. few verses because this is the part where uh, it was defined as a time where he comes back to the grace of God. It's God is his refuge. Verses eight through ten. But my eyes are towards you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they had laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. So God is our refuge. We see that all over the place in Scripture. How was he unpacking that in verses 8 through 10? This, this again, certainly ties in with the Lord's prayer. Deliver me from evil. Um, he's been praying that all of, all along up to this point. Um, I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Protect me, oh God, um, because he knows he needs it. King David knows um, time and time again throughout his kingship, by the way, that he needs to be protected from within and from without, within his own family, within his own um, palace, and also without the enemies that are surrounding them. His verse, uh, his words, my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. Um, we see Jesus do that very action when he um, takes five loaves of bread and two fish. Mm. And Luke says um, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. He looks up. Um, and other times, you know, in, in our posture of prayer, oftentimes in church, is that we bow our heads and close our eyes. But in this instance, David looks up because he knows that's where his Lord is and that's where his help is going to come from. How could my eyes look to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the, from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. That's an interesting thought. I never, I, I thought about that, but that's just a good reminder. My eyes look up toward you, which is, you know, that's why in, in prayer, if someone's looking up, I probably shouldn't be so judgmental of them. They're just following what verse 8 says. Are you still there, Pastor? Oh, I am. Yes. Oh, okay, sorry. I thought you were uh, going to say something very wise and profound. No, I was just, I was just, <laughs> well, we know that didn't happen. Sorry. So just, uh, I was just saying, hey, we don't need to, uh, you know, we don't need to judge someone for looking up during prayer time. So anything no, else, no, <laughs> verses 9 and 10, anything else that you have here? About two more minutes left in our time. Let's, let's go for the last part. Yeah. All right, verse 9. Um, keep me from the trap that they've laid for me. This is fascinating in terms of um, David praying, Lord, switch the trap on them. And that we see fulfilled by our Lord Jesus on the cross when he's dying. Satan has wanted God dead all along. He's wanted God crushed and no longer in control, power, ruling. Mm. And Satan has Jesus dead. And God's, God sets, um, releases the trap on Satan by Jesus' own death. It springs back on Satan, and Jesus can say, gotcha. You wanted me dead, I died, and now you're done. Now you're caught. The very trap you laid for me is the trap that has caught you. And so we look at but the... you have to go forward a thousand years. Right, right, yeah, exactly. And so it really, when you look at that, the Christ in the Psalms, there it really is that what do you call it, the, the great uh, um, reversal, um, that understanding yep. of, of Jesus uh, 
taking the trap that was supposed to be for him and putting it on the devil for sure. And I really want to get to verse 10 here, Pastor. We have about a minute left. Let's do it. And it talks about here passing by safely as the Lord takes care of the wicked. What are your thoughts and why is that important for us? What we see there is David sees that he, there is escape. He will be released from all that's going on around him, his enemies, while I pass by safely. His, his prayer is that the wicked fall into their own nets. Um, going back to verse 9, he says, while I pass by safely. And, you know, for you and me and for all of God's people, we do slip through the fingers of the devil at the end. And the devil's finger, his hands are just left empty. Um, in the world, they can't hang on to us. Um, they have to loosen their grip when we die. And even our own sinful flesh is left in the grave. Um, and we pray for and look forward to the day of resurrection. So we, too, also pass by safely um, from the wicked and from evil, evil people, the evil in ourselves. There is finally um, rest and escape, all because of Jesus. And that's what the psalm is all about. Pastor Sean Com of Christ the King Lutheran Church in Cody, Wyoming, giving us God's strong word from Psalm 141. Pastor Com, thank you for the gifts. Very welcome. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, keep praying. We say to the Lord, listen up, and guess what? He listens. Not only does he listen, he answers those. Not only does he hear us, but he gives us the guarding from wickedness, helping us to be righteous, for he is our refuge and our strength, our protector, and we will pass by safely all on account of him. And as he says, as Pastor Cum said so well today, all on account of Jesus. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.